ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 proudly present The Killer Bees. Definitely a fan of The Killer Bees. Don't sweat the technique. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here comes the fastest three hours in Houston sports radio. Here's Joe Blank and Jeremy Branham. Oh, hell yeah. You about to get all stung up. Ooh, what up, H-Town? Hey, how we doing? We want Houston! What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Brantley hits one deep to right, turning around is Kepler, trying to play it off the wall. He won't get the chance. Michael Brantley, a professional hitter, as Dusty Baker says, comes up with a big hit to tie this game at one. Boys, this is uh, this is one of those seasons, you know, nothing went our way early. We battled through injuries. Yeah. Um, we grinded. I wasn't even here. <laughs> happy to be back. Yeah. The seventh time. Seventh time. All right. In the air, well struck right center. Looking back on it, and that is off the top of the fence. Is it gone? It is. Boy, that was crushed by Jose Abreu. Seven. 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 The 3-2. Three, Cold strike three. And the Astros, for a seventh consecutive season, are headed to the American League Championship Series. A little Friends reference from Joe George. How about that? Look at that that wide range that Joe George has. He's blank on Brad. I'm Joe George putting together that, uh, that masterpiece. The Astros off to the ALCS. Yet again, Blinkers, it feels surreal, quite honestly, that the Astros have been to the ALCS seven straight times, second most of anybody in Major League Baseball history. It, it is so amazing, and, and forget the friends reference, Joe George goes to my ear to get me a little foreigner, too, which I love going back to those kind of feelings. It never gets old, Jeremy. It's like we should have a positivity day all day today because of how good it feels to know that as much as this team has had to overcome and all that they've had to go through, here we are again. Oh, you know, you, some people would just yawn and go, oh, it's another ALCS. Nope. This one was truly earned, and it feels so good to be back there again. It really does. Uh, and to, to go on the road and win the last two as well, like we were talking yesterday about should we have known that it was coming with Christian Javier because of his postseason brilliance, his postseason dominance, has never allowed an earned run in his three playoff starts. It kind of feels like we could have that same conversation today about the Astros. You know, they've been a better team on the road this year than home. They had a below uh, below 500 record at home this season. That They did what they did all of 2023 where they were kind of, you know, mediocre at home they split the first two games and they go on the road and they win baseball games to to win both games in minnesota after we heard that you know it's gonna be a raucous crowd the the shadows the fans were correctly counting down the seconds on, on the pitch clock and the astros just kind of do what they do they flip the switch they win some baseball games and they go to another alcs it's just absolutely fantastic and the way the story's written and you couldn't write it any better and you're right going on the road winning two that's big but that's been the story of this team i didn't think it was going to translate as much in the playoffs. I certainly didn't think that they were going to go and take both games in Minnesota. But to do that and then have the heroes that stu- basically were the ones that stood out and stood up when you needed them the most, starting with Jose Abreu and just knowing that as much scrutiny as rightfully he deserved most of the year. And because, you know, he didn't ask for the money, but he got it. And a lot of people had him in, his, in their crosshairs all season long, including us. 
the man has stepped up big when they needed him most, and it's it's just it feels good. Dusty's pushing all the bright buttons. It feels good. You're looking at Presley, who everybody was much aligned late in the year. It feels good. I mean, over and over again, so many Band-Aids were torn off with healed skin and great feelings because of what they just did to the Minnesota Twins. My favorite thing about the, the Verlander speech after the game, one, it was impromptu. Like, that yep. was pretty, it was pretty <laughs> no impressive kidding. on that front. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, you could, you could not cuss it and still be impromptu, right? Yeah. But, uh, but also the, the part where he's, like, he's going through, like, the, the motions of a speech. Like, oh, we've grinded through the year. We had some injuries. We struggled early. And then his realization of, like, wait a second. I wasn't here. I wasn't even here. Like it was just it was kind of a priceless moment on television where Verlander was going through the motions of, yeah, you know, we struggled this year. We we got off to a slow start. And he's like, wait a second. I wasn't even here to start the year and then starts looking around and loses control. Uh, It was cool clubhouse scenes uh, yesterday as the Astros partied a little bit in Minnesota and then come home getting ready for the biggest Lone Star Series ever, at least since uh, in professional sports since 1995 when the Rockets and the Spurs met up in the Western Conference Finals. You, you mentioned a couple of the, the big names yesterday. I think you have to look at the the pitcher again as the, the yeah. key storyline in this game. We were having conversations, really, I mean, we had conversations since the summer about what does your playoff rotation look like, and we would do it almost every week because things change, injuries happen, uh, guys are in good form. We, we didn't really mention Jose Urquidy getting a playoff start for the last month two months maybe because he was relegated to bullpen duty for a while uh, didn't see him a whole lot didn't pitch all that great quite frankly uh-uh. and then some weird things happens with jp france's wife well, she was dehydrated she's fine jose arquini gets this random spot start that you know there probably never should have come pitches well and because he pitched well because of his his postseason success in the past being in the moment he gets the call in game four and again uh, another pitcher that maybe not everybody had tremendous amount of confidence in was absolutely nails for the Astros yesterday yeah no no, absolutely no question Jeremy you're spot on I mean look and the list is great it's because it 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 could be endless I mean there's so many names we could put on this list but Urquidy was the guy and my last memory of him even though he pitched one time after that was late in the regular season. They brought him into a game. He gave up two bombs in, in, in one inning, and I thought, oh, God, this is a guy that we're not going to be able to count on. And then all of a sudden, he, he has this heroic effort where he, he shuts out the Arizona Diamondbacks at the most important time of the year, and you're like, okay, all right, now, now we're seeing something that might translate to playoff baseball. Then what he did last night, and you and I were talking about it yesterday, if we got four-plus, it would be great. The fact that he gave you that and more even though he gave up the bomb late, you're like, he did his job and then some, and not only proved to you that he's still got plenty left, but this is a guy that looks like now you can rely on going forward. Yeah, he exceeded my expectations on, on all fronts, quite frankly. He threw more pitches than I thought he would throw. I thought he'd be capped around 70, 75. Uh, threw more innings than I thought he would throw. I thought he would go four maximum uh, of five innings. I definitely didn't think he would get a third trip through the order. And, and I was a little surprised that Dusty gave him that, that you know, Edward Julian. They got him for the home run, the second mm-hmm. run. And then he stayed with him to the lefty because Urquidy has reverse splits better against lefties. I was cool with Dusty doing that because he was, he was rolling. He Played the hot hand, and that's that's how Dusty's going to manage. Dusty, you know, third time through the lineup, the numbers are telling you that you, you should probably make the pitching change there.
there uh, because Rikini's numbers, in, in most pitchers, it's almost every single pitcher that exists, once they make that third trip through the lineup, their numbers go down. Rikini's also uh, backs that up. So I thought there was an off chance that he might take Rikini out for Julian. Julian got the homer, but then Dusty left him in for the lefty Polanco, got him out, made the change, brought in Neri, struck out Lewis, and then the Astros w- would celebrate later. But Jose Rikini has, you're right, like all of a sudden this this rotation, this playoff rotation, uh, four-man rotation with Justin Verlander, Fromber, Javier, and now Jose Arquiti, I'm confident about it. I was not confident about it entering the playoffs. I wasn't confident about it after game two of the ALDS. But with what Javier showed you and what Arquiti showed you, how could you be anything but, but but confident with this little playoff rotation the Astros have going? Well, I mean, Fromber's the guy that's going to – again, where in this – picture in this scenario when you and I were both and Joe even we were, all three of us were on board hey look our, we would have probably gone with Fromber in the in the first slot Verlander in the second slot but of all the pitchers we've seen so far from starting perspective the one that you kind of have any kind of reservations or concern about seems to be Fromber Valdez and no one would have said that going in but you feel like his stuff still was good enough that he can figure it out. But when you're getting the other guys doing what they're capable of doing, it does make you feel a whole hell of a lot better about the starting pitching. No, I like I like the four man right now that the Astros have. And I know Fromber struggled, but he's still Fromber. You know, he's still capable of being one of the best pitchers in the American League. I feel good with him whenever he whenever he goes to the mound, and I still feel good. Uh, with him going to the mound, even though he has been inconsistent, especially in the second half of the year, and, and didn't have a very good uh, first postseason start against Minnesota. I, I don't think you could say enough, too, about the bullpen that you got mm-hmm. this entire series. You, like you, you mopped it up a bit in Game 2 and Game 3, some games that they weren't you know, necessarily out of hand. Game 3 got a little bit out of hand. In Game 2, you were trying to keep it close, but it was a pretty significant gap in Game 2. Other than the Neris... Game one performance, which you still won that game. Yeah, yeah, you had to sweat it. It made it a lot tighter, closer, things like that. But you still won that game. Uh, aside from the nearest blow up in game one and a couple of the the mop up duties in this series, the bullpen when you needed them was unbelievable. And that was the case yesterday too. They they combined to go three and a third. They didn't give up a hit. Once Jose Arquiti came out of the game, the bullpen went three and a third, didn't give up a hit. And they struck out eight dudes in three and a third. Like the, it was incredible what the bullpen did to the Twins yesterday. Yeah, how good was that? I mean, the fact that he doesn't. I mean, th- that you got what you got out of Urquidy. Then the bullpen picks it up from there. And granted, it's not the no hitter in the World Series in that magnitude, but it, it's still big enough to talk about when you go, "Hey, this was a Minnesota Twins team that looked like that they were riding a ton of momentum coming in." We know that Lewis was red hot on fire, and he tried to, his best to keep that going. But the fact that you were able to shut them down and it wasn't with your two best pitchers and your bullpen continues to be what it was all from last year all the way through this year and now maybe getting back to where it was a year ago when it was the best bullpen in baseball, you look at it and go, I'll put that bullpen up against the Rangers. I'll put that bullpen up against anybody because, yes, Dusty deserves a lot of credit too for the way he used that bullpen, but every single button he pushed was followed up with a guy that did his job, and that was a whole lot of fun to watch. You had some nail-biting moments, but those guys pushed through and got you what you needed to do. That was fantastic. Yeah, I think Dusty managed to tell off this entire yep. series, but I wouldn't say that every every button that he pushed was good. Like, I mean, he did go to Neris in the seventh inning in game one, uh, gave up a couple of home runs. Now, I would have also went to Neris, so I don't think he was wrong, right. uh, but that button didn't necessarily like turn out positive results. And then I think you could look at the – 
you know, when do you pull Jose Arquiti yesterday? I think you could look at leaving him in for Edward Julian third time through the lineup. You know, you can kind of, you know, be uh, nitpicky about that. I also would have done what Dusty did, though. Like, I'm I'm a little old school myself where I believe if you have a guy rolling, you ride that guy mm-hmm. until he stops rolling. And he stopped rolling against Julian, but he knew he liked the matchup against the lefty. So you can you can question a couple of Dusty's pitching decisions in the series. Game one, game four yesterday, that didn't work out, actually, but I would have done the same thing, so it's hard for me to be critical. The, the one thing that I didn't like that Dusty did in this series was actually play – uh, Yiner Diaz mm-hmm. in Game Three over Michael Brantley, but you won nine to one. Who cares? And then maybe Michael Brantley needed a day, so maybe that was just Dusty knowing Michael Brantley shouldn't be playing three days in a row. Give him that day off, let him be fresh the next day, and they hits a big home run in yesterday's game. So it's hard to be critical of Dusty over that one too because it paid out in the end, winning Game Three going away, and then Michael Brantley hits a key home run yesterday. Yeah, no, look, I mean, others can, and look, there are certain people hell bent that they are just focused on ripping Dusty. We're just honest about Dusty, and if others want to pick him apart for the the decisions that he made during this series, that's fine. As much as I I am critical of Dusty Baker, I am giving him all the flowers in the world for this series because I felt like you're right. We all question whether Yiner should be in the lineup over Brantley when they headed to Minneapolis. But when you look at the overall big body of work and the big picture and the result that we got when we're giving out golf grades, he gets birdie eagle to me because he did everything that they needed a manager to do to get them to the next level. teams covered no stalking points necessary you're back with the killer bees on 97.5 and 92.5 live from the veritex community bank studios 713-780-ESPN HRP listener line he's blank on Branham you can follow along on Twitch twitch.tv slash ESPN 97.5 he's at Pac-Man Joel on Twitter I'm at Jeremy Branham 4481 please stop nitpicking the BS and just give Dusty his due for once we both gave him I gave him an A uh, Blankers gave him a birdie eagle uh, so I think those are flowers for Dusty yeah, you mean, gotta be able to talk the game man yeah come on man I mean we call it game by game move by move decision by decision sometimes we're gonna give him his flowers Sometimes we're going to give him the criticism that he deserves. It's the way baseball works. It's the way we do our job. And that's why you guys have the comments that you have. It's not BS when you take the time to comment to us. It's a discussion. Yeah, make sure you're listening at 445. I think you're going to like what we have to say about Dusty Baker. Uh, 713-780-ESPN. 50-30, game one was a Naris problem, not a button-pushing problem. He pressed the right button. The button just meant malfunction. I, I, I can, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Uh, but there were some people that wanted Verlander to get another inning, and there were a lot of people that were critical after the fact that Naris, whenever he had that shaky seventh inning, they were like, oh, Dusty, you should have left Verlander in. I was actually defending. We were actually defending uh, Dusty Baker in that spot because we felt it was the right time to take Verlander out. And I agree with you, Texter5030, that it was the right decision. It just did not work. Uh, 713-780-ESPN. Let's go out to the HRMP listener line. Paul, you're in the high with the Killer Bees. What's up, Paul? Hey, guys. I've been more critical of Dusty than just about anybody, but I have to give him a lot of credit for the way that he has handled the pitching staff, especially, and the lineup. Uh, you know, at this point, you, you really can't put Diaz in a catcher over – Maldonado, because, I mean, Diaz hasn't played catcher in probably about three weeks, so and everybody's been sort of Jedi mind-tricked into thinking that Maldonado is uh, this amazing guy, even though we know last year in the playoffs that Vasquez was actually the superior defensive and pitcher-handling catcher. I mean, the records back that up. All that being said, I think Dusty's done it. I like the way he's handled the pitching staff better than Hinch. I thought Hinch went to the bullpen too early, 
and Dusty usually gives his starters, at least in my opinion, the right amount of rope. Mm-hmm. Now, let's not forget that we were two, di- two games away from missing the playoffs because of the way the regular season was managed. To give him credit, uh, he's, he has pushed the right buttons in the playoffs. Appreciate the call, Paul, and I appreciate you saying that because uh, uh, you know there there has been criticism for Dusty. Um, I I love the way that Dusty managed last year in the postseason. I thought it was two different managers, and who cares how he managed the regular season in 2022 when you won the division by you know ten games and then you win the World Series, kind of cruised through the entire playoffs and he pressed all the right buttons in the postseason last year. Uh, I was in Dusty. I trusty all year. He did some things in the second half of the year that annoyed me because the race got very very tight. At the end of the day. He won the division, and I think we're seeing playoff Dusty again. Like he's managing this year's playoffs, like he managed last year's playoffs, and he's doing a lot of things in the postseason that he didn't do in the regular season. Also, agree with Paul's point that I think that Yiner is now uncatchable. Mm-hmm. Um, the pitchers do love throwing to Maldi. It's fact. Like you, you saw some quotes from Jose Arquiti yesterday. You know, great game plan. Love throwing to Maldi. Javier, same way. And we know that Fromber and Justin Verlander echo those sentiments as well. And he's also hadn't caught in a while. So, I look, we conceded that Martin Maldonado was the Astro playoff catcher three weeks to go in the regular season. So, uh, kind of the same thing there. Yeah, no, look, I think that I've been very clear last year and again this year that as critical as I've been of Dusty Baker, it's regular season Dusty. And last year when I was hypercritical, I kept begging and pleading and saying, please don't do it in the playoffs. He didn't. I gave him total credit. He managed his ass off, and he got a World Series title, which he wanted and needed, and so did this city and this team. Again, the same thing. With all the, the, the different Dusties that Dusty's going to Dusty all year long, I said, please just don't do it in the playoffs. So far, so good. He hasn't. And if there's anything about being a playoff manager, Dusty has it. He can write a notebook that could turn into a book someday the way he's doing it because for all the shortcomings of the past, these last two seasons so far – he has pushed the right buttons. He has orchestrated the right moves. And whether we agreed with all of them or not when they were being made, in retrospect, we can rip them apart a little bit if we'd like. But the bottom line is they've translated to wins and a team that looks like it has a lot of confidence and a lot of ability. Yeah. The one thing that does bother me, though, is like regular season, postseason. It's like, okay, if you win games, he's doing a great job. If you lose games, he's doing a poor job. Uh, pitcher pitches poorly in the seventh inning, poor job, et cetera, et cetera. Like, you got to be able to evaluate each and every one of the moves. Uh, Dusty Dusty did really well in the postseason this year. He did really, or at least in the first round. Uh, he did really well in the postseason last year. He does get a lot of grief for what he does in the regular season. And he, he, look, the one thing that Dusty does, he plays the long game, which is, which spits in the face of what baseball people do these days Mm -hmm. like the analytical people are all about optimizing the lineup every single day what are the numbers telling you who do I need to play where against lefty righty in this specific game where does he need to be batting in the order and Dusty doesn't really care for any of that thought because he thinks that stuff is so marginal that he rather do things like get a guy comfortable in their spot in the lineup he rather get a guy a a day of rest he rather see what somebody looks like in center field etc etc he plays the long game in a sport that nowadays managers are playing every like day-to-day importance and look the the long game has worked for dusty baker the last couple of years for the houston astros and i don't don't even think you can argue that no you can't but at the same time if you're looking at it because he does think big picture and he does think about you know what you know getting guys prepared for that postseason run but at the same time when i look at that the reason why i can be critical of it and, and my opinion being that there's a lot of moves that I will nitpick it and I will point out of Dusty, and it's well before whoever he puts in where, is the fact that 
I feel like as much as most people say, well, a manager might be able to give you a handful of games one way or the other. This year, I think if he would have kind of scaled back how much rest and how many things he tinkered with, especially down the stretch, I don't think it would have been as close down the stretch to win the division. I think that they would have had a couple-game lead. I think that, not that they would have coasted like they had in the past, but I think they would have been more comfortable. But with that said, I can't fault the majority of the moves that he made last year for sure and this year again so far because of the fact that it does seem to work for him. Whatever he, You're right. He's not going to listen to anybody else. We know from Dana Brown he's making the lineups. But if, if that's part of the reason why this team is fresh and they're doing the things they're doing now, then – you know, so be it. Go, go, Dusty, go. Yeah, he'll, he'll sacrifice some of the, you know, the analytics in the short term for what he feels are like vibes in the long term. Like he, he's going to allow Martin Maldonado to catch his main pitchers and all of his playoff pitchers because he feels like Martin Maldonado, quite frankly, is going to lower the ERA of those pitchers. And that, that does spit in the face of the analytics because, like, Yiner Diaz versus Martin Maldonado, their defensive metrics, they tell you that Yiner's better. The offensive metrics isn't even worth the conversation because we know that the offensive metrics show you Yiner Diaz. But JV likes to throw to Maldi, mm-hmm. feels comfortable, and a comfortable pitcher is good to have on the mound. And look, you know, maybe it's recency bias, all of those things, but the Astros pitchers looked really good. And somebody just texted in, too, um, 8437, do we just think it was a lack of motivation to get the pitching staff prepared for an upcoming series during the regular season? That's why the pitching didn't look so good during the year, and they just care more now because of the playoffs because it's still the same pitchers and the same catcher. How do you feel about that? Uh, I think that Dusty, to me, was getting everybody prepared for scenarios that they might face going forward. I think that maybe that there's there's a method to the madness of when those wheels start turning in his head that a lot of us don't understand on a regular season, day-by-day basis. But I think that he has a certain plan in his head with the eye test in trying to get guys prepared to do what he sees in in his own mind as roles they may play in the playoffs. And I think that's why you saw you know, him be able to manipulate the bullpen, but use so many guys in so many different roles. I think a year ago, that's why you saw the, the, the changes that we were scratching our head at, that we never you know, knew that Brian Abreu was going to be such a high-leverage guy that was going to do the things that he did, or that Ryan Stanek wasn't going to play a role basically at all after having a sub-2 ERA. Dusty has a plan that a lot of times maybe we can't even see mapped out, but he knows how to get guys ready for certain spots. I think that there is a, an element of coasting during the regular season, not only for the Astros, but every Major League Baseball team. 162 games was, we know, the old cliche. It's not a sprint, it's a marathon. Uh, and I do think that the Astros know that they have the ability to turn it on. And it frustrates Astro fans sometimes, and I know that we've been frustrated at times, that you know that the, the division lead would looked like it was too big, or they could have been more serious about regular season games. But I do think there's an element of coasting to every Major League Baseball team, I would say especially the Astros, and I think that's part of like Martin Maldonado's defensive metrics too. We saw this with Yuli Gurriel last year. Like The defensive metrics hated Yuli Gurriel, but in a moment when you needed a good defensive play, Yuli Gurriel made it. So we all thought that Yuli Gurriel is a good defensive player because in critical moments he makes the good defensive play. And I would agree to that. Like He was a good defensive player. 
I feel like at times over the course of 162 through the dog days of summer, whenever they're losing by three or winning by three, that maybe you don't get to a ground ball that you normally get to. And the computer measures that and says that he's not a very good defensive first baseman, which we know is not true. Maybe he's just trying to get through 162. I do think we see that with Martin Maldonado at times. Like it shows up in pass balls, some balls in the dirt, and it's like Maldonado's line of thinking is probably, you know what, you know, it's one of 162. It's dog days of the summer. It's a three-run game. I'm not going to block this ball in the dirt as I would in the postseason. I do think that that stuff happens. Now, in terms of game preparation for Martin Maldonado, I don't think he got lazy with that all year. I do think it's an element of sharpness from some of these pitchers that can rise to the occasion whenever the the lights are the brightest. Yeah, no, I I agree with that, Jeremy. I I just think that when, when we're analyzing things and I look at this, as much as you and I were both on board with like the fact that Yiner needs to play more. And it's weird to me in a way, because you're right. I think the door has been shut on Yiner, and I don't think he's going to factor in. And I never would have thought that. I, I never would have thought that when you look at some of the metrics of Maldi, like you said, we all we, we, we were easy to say, like, what's he doing? Like, it's night and day from the machete and all the ways that, you know, that he could alter and affect a game. He looked like he was complacent, like he had kind of checked out, like he was just coasting. But whether it's just flipping a switch in the playoffs or and, and getting remotivated or whatever the case may be, he looks better at the plate, and he, and he definitely is in total control of a game behind the dish. And it's definitely something that they need because no matter what Yiner can or can't do better in the regular season than Maldi, he hasn't been here and done this in the playoffs, and Maldi has, and it's showing right now. 713-780-ESPN. We'll take your calls. We also got to get to the Jose Abreu. Did, did he make his salary nearly $20 million all in this series, 713-780-3776. Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. We're less than 30 days away from college basketball season. I'm sure some high schools are having tryouts. We know that AAU is, uh, is year-round. We already saw some preseason basketball on the pros as well. It is basketball season. It's not one of those, it's going to be here before you know it. No, we are in basketball season. You have kids that want to want to have a basketball goal in their driveway more than likely. Well, you need to get a goal from Pro Dunk. They make the highest quality basketball goals you'll find. You know, I go walking through the neighborhood sometimes, and I see these beat-up basketball goals. The rims are jacked. The glass is broken. Sometimes they're not even upright. It's sad. It makes me feel like I'm losing home value because of my neighborhood with bad basketball goals. Don't be the house with a bad basketball goal. Get a goal from Pro Dunk. Tempered glass backboard, breakaway rim, uh, height-adjustable, stainless steel hardware. That height-adjustable part's key, too. If you want to lower it down, throw down some slam dunks, some jams, you can lower it all the way down to five feet, Raise it all the way up to 10, anywhere in between as well. Also, their accessories are great, other than that height adjustable. But with that is that as well included. LED light kits for night play. You know, it's been hot all summer, so these LED light kits come into play because you can let it cool down a little bit or you get home uh, and it's already dark. The kids are at school all day. Plus, it's going to start getting darker earlier here pretty soon as well. Backstop nets, pull pad lettering, lots, lots more. You can also order everything online, including professional installation. The pros will come out to your place and they will professionally install these goals so you can't screw it up. You're not proficient with a ladder and a level. You don't have to be because the pros at ProDunk are. You don't install. Let the pros do all of the work for you. Give them a call right now. 281-351-9822 281-351-9822 and visit ProDunk.com That's ProDunk.com The Killer Bees What about the Murderous Jays? We've got Joel, Jeremy, and Joe 
Bet's 3Js. Coming to you live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5. It's the Killer Bees and Murderous Jays. He's blank on Branham. I think 8863 sums this up as well as you can. Dusty knows and believes in what he has in the dugout. He manages to be fresh and ready for the playoffs when it matters more. Now, he played with fire a little bit, almost didn't make it, but thank goodness it worked out. I think that's a perfect way to describe how Dusty managed 2023. No, yeah, absolutely. And the thing is, is, you know, and Lamont's tweeting us, I'm not walking back any of the criticism that I had of Dusty in the regular season, and I would do it all again depending on the situation and what was playing out in front of me. But I also am going to give him the same amount, the same way I give him criticism, I'm going to give him the same amount of credit, flowers, and everything else when you look at what he does that he does well. And what he has done well is all the things that we've talked about from managing the pitching staff, the decisions he makes in the bullpen, you know, a lot of the decisions that he made with the lineup, how loyal he has been to Maldi. Sometimes it looks like seemingly to a fault. You know, I think he can slow down now on making sure every interview and every press conference, when we're talking about the pitchers, giving Maldi his flowers. We already know. We understand it's going to happen. We know whose corner he's in. But the fact is, he gets what he gets from me personally, and I think from us, based on every single move and every single game. And that's the way he should be evaluated. And right now, he's managing his tail off again. And obviously, this run isn't over, and there's plenty more baseball to be played. But to this point, what he's done has been fantastic. Does that change the stuff that he did in the regular season that I was critical of? Absolutely not. Yeah. 713-780-ESPN. Jose Abreu hit a, a big home run yesterday. It was a game-winning RBI uh, with the home run that he hit yesterday. Akini gave up the solo shot in the first. Royce Lewis got him, which came right after a line-out double play on another brilliant defensive play by Jeremy Pena. Him with his leather has been unbelievable. Brantley tied it with the home run, the solo shot over the right field wall, and then Jose Abreu later hit the two-run homer. That would be the difference in the game. Astros win 3-2. to two. You, you look at this series that Jose Abreu put together, especially in Minnesota. He was 1-3 for three in the first game here, 0-4 in Game 2, but in Minnesota he had the double dong game in Game 3. 2-5, for five, 2 homers, 5 ribbies, and then yesterday a couple more hits. Hits the 2-run homer, which is the difference in the game. How much of Jose Abreu's $19.5 million has he earned in this division series alone? Wow. Um, not all of it, because I mean, there was again the same way I just got done talking about Dusty. It's the same way I'll talk about Abreu, and I held out longer than most, hoping that he was going to kind of fall back into his regular, normal All-Star type first baseman ways. Now, maybe not MVP level, but I thought that he was going to still turn out to be an above-average, big-time help for this team in the lineup. It didn't translate until late in the season, so. I, I really give him credit that la- that last month and a half of the season when he came off the IL after the back injury, if it, whatever the back injury was, and then the way he performed, especially in Arizona. But you know he got going, and now he's carried it through. I'm not willing to say he's earned all of it, but he's earned a whole bunch of it. I think the same could be said to Brantley on a smaller scale. But to Abreu, you look at it, you say, okay, of the 19, if I have to try and get like analytical with numbers, there, 12. I don't know. I mean, this is the most important time of the year. So the values double if we're playing some kind of game show. I would say at least three quarters of it he's earned because of what he did. Because you might not be in the playoffs without him, quite honestly. Because that was a one-man offensive wrecking crew for the most part in Arizona.
Yeah, I'm gonna give a, I'm gonna give it to all of them. Uh, quite frankly, like the re- this is a playoff team. This is the defending champion. This is a team that's now been to the ALCS seven times in a row. So whenever you make a free agent acquisition, it's not with the regular season in mind. It's we need this guy to get us to where we were already the year before. When you sign a Jose Abreu, it's okay. We need a thumper in our bat come October. We need a guy who can break up our lefties a little bit. While he's not breaking up the lefties, he's batting behind them, which you're gonna get a lot of RBI opportunity when you're hitting behind uh, Jordan and Kyle Tucker, and I was very harsh on Jose Abreu the entire season. He had a poor regular season, and well, he had 90 RBIs. I get he had 90 RBIs, but he had unbelievable opportunity uh, in RBI situations. That said, he did have 90 RBIs. So the regular season did have some uh, like proof, some good stuff that happened. Whenever you bring in a player like Abreu, it's about the postseason. And I, look, I'm not the guy spending $19.5 million. I don't think that they were really going to sign anybody else. Like it was Jose Abreu or Bust more than more than likely. I think Jose Abreu's earned his salary and has earned his keep for what he's done in the ALDS. Like these are when you these these are the times of the year where heroics happen, and it's also where you remember players. It's the reason that we loved Yuli Gurriel last year. Yuli Gurriel had a terrible regular season in 2022. He hit for a very high batting average last October, and it's like yes, we love Yuli Gurriel again. Same things happening with Jose Abreu. Like hate him in the regular season. Overpaid, making too much money, he's washed, all of these things, but then he turns back time, he plays like the back of his baseball card, and he starts to earn his keep, and these are where legends are made. So I think Abreu has earned his salary for what he's done in the ALDS. few texts on this. Uh, Aggie Matt, he agrees with you. Abreu hasn't earned the $20 million yet, but he did save Bagwell from embarrassment. Yeah, yesterday was kind of the Jeff Bagwell revenge what, game. Wasn't it, though? Yeah, he had the Brantley homer. The only thing we missed was Rafael Montero coming in for like three big outs. It would have been the full Jeff Bagwell revenge game. But you got Abreu hitting his third homer in two days. Michael Brantley tied it up with a solo shot. Yesterday was very much a Jeff Bagwell revenge game. Absolutely. I mean, first of all, I, I, I'm, I'm, for the sake of spite alone, I will never respond to Not Santa on Twitter that any time one of those three guys does anything. Well, now he's going to do it more because you brought it up. I don't care, and, I, and I'll continue to do it, and I'll continue to tell him. It I sounds mean, like you care if you're ignoring it. Okay, Alex P. Keaton. I'm just telling you my opinion. I don't care. No I'm still going to mention is. it. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit there, and, and I'm going to tell you that yeah, I mean, if Montero had did something, yeah, for that day, you can say that about Bagwell. I would love to have seen these guys be as healthy as he told us they were going to be and do the things they thought they were going to do. But the bottom line is, again, at the time when they need them the most, at least two of the three right now are doing whatever they're they're expected to do when they're in the lineup. So it's great to see. It just would have been nice if it was more of a season-long thing than just right now. But what did it cost you? You know what I mean? Like, it costs you maybe a little bit of stress. Like, if Abreu played, like, back a baseball card, Abreu, maybe you win the division title by, by seven games. But but what did it cost you at the end of the day? It, it cost you to sweat a little bit at the end of the season. It cost you to stress a little bit at the end of the season. But even with a poor regular season for Jose Abreu, they still won the American League West. They still got a buy out of the wild card round. They won the division series, and now they have home foot advantage in the ALCS. So it didn't really cost you anything. It didn't, but it could have. And that's, that's where my – you know, these moves, when we were talking about how are they going to spend their money and what are they going to do to fill these holes, these moves were made so that we didn't have to sweat it at the end of the season, so that we could get more like the seasons we've seen in the past where they're the do- one of the dominating teams in baseball that gets the division lead very comfortable so that they can <clears throat> excuse me, prepare pre- pre- uh, a little bit more than most to get ready for the postseason. We didn't. We sweated it out. It worked out. Everything, even, though, even if they kind of backed their way into the division title, yeah, at the end of the day, you look back and say it didn't hurt us, 
but it could have because they very well, as easily as they won the division, they could have been a wild card. They could have missed the playoffs altogether. And I believe that if you had contributions from those two offensive bats more consistently in the lineup this year, it might have been a different story where you weren't sweating it like that and there weren't those possibilities. 713-780-ESPN, AR Platinum. My hope is that Abreu finds his confidence next year. He's the player we expected him this year. I think it's more health than confidence with Abreu. Like, once he got back from the IL, he's been pretty good. Uh, 4271, Abreu in the final week of the season has somewhat lived up to his contract as well, not just in the ALDS. He did have a huge series against Arizona when you absolutely had to have that series. Uh, 2128 without Abreu, the twin series is going to a game five. That, that's also true. I'm glad that we don't see a game five tomorrow. Mm. I'm all for more. Or baseball. I love baseball. I know you love baseball. Mm-hmm. I want nothing to do with Pablo Lopez no. in a game five. So happy they clinched. I was thinking yesterday. about that this morning, walking my dogs, going, you know what? It's got to be rough if you're if you're Pablo Lopez going, you know what? I pitched my ass off and I did everything I could do, and we're going home. And all I wanted was one more opportunity to have the baseball in my hands to take on that team, and I'm not going to get it. Kudos to the Astros for doing what they did, but you and I both said it. We wanted no part of Pablo, no matter who, what, Verlander on full rest or not. I wanted no part of just rolling the dice to see if Lopez could do it again or not in a game five because dude owned him in, in, in his first start. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN the HRNP listener line. How much of that Abreu salary did he earn in the ALDS? Also, we have tangible proof that Martin Maldonado's hidden intangibles are actually tangible. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN ninety seven five and ESPN ninety two five. Hey, before we go to the break, tell you about my good friend Doc Linville. Doc Linville is a great dude, but that's beside the point. Doc Linville, in my opinion, the best in the business at the neograft procedure because he can get people their hair back, and that's something that I didn't think anybody could ever do. In my lifetime, I never thought that there was an opportunity for me to take my eight head and turn it back into a forehead and get my hairline back. Other people that have gone to Doc Linville didn't think there was any possibility that they could get the hair back on the top of their head that would cover up their bald spot, but they can. The Neograft procedure is your hair. He takes it from where you have it and will never lose it. Genetically, I found out, you're never going to lose the hair on the sides and the back of your head, no matter how bald you go in other places. So he takes some of it, puts it where you need it most, and he takes those thinning spots and those bald spots and turns them into spots where you get coverage, you get hair, you get confidence with that, and you feel great about your appearance again. It's amazing. As a listener to ESPN 97.5, you can check out the Neograph procedure, Doc Linville, and how they do it, how they go about it, if it might be right for you, by going to 975hair.com. It's free to go to the website. It's free to set up an appointment because you listen to us. Normally, it's 150 bucks, but if you go to 975hair.com and set it up, free. No obligation, nothing out of pocket, nothing you got to sign on the dotted line and commit to. Just go ask questions. Find out how long the procedure takes, when you'd see the full results, and, spoiler alert, the fact is 95 to 99% of the follicles he's going to move, they're going to stay, they're going to grow, they're going to be with you for the long haul. That's what convinced me. That's why I did it and couldn't be happier with it, and you can do it too. Check him out today and tell him I sent you by because I think he's the best in the business. Go to 975hair.com. Time to get back to sports school with the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5. He's Blank on Branham, 713-780-ESPN. Astros are going to their seventh straight ALCS. Does not feel real. The only team that has been to more 
consecutive LCSs in Major League Baseball history. The Braves, who did it eight times. So the Astros perhaps changing some, chasing some history next year, but they're looking to chase some history this year. Uh, one thing that has been talked about all year long is uh, Martin Maldonado's hidden intangibles. And it's been a, a divisive conversation within the fan base. Uh, a lot of the, you know, a lot of people want Yiner Diaz to play more because he can hit. Uh, the, the defensive metrics even point to Martin Maldonado. The old school people, including the manager Dusty Baker, say, no, no, no. It matters who is catching my pitchers. I believe in Martin Maldonado's game calling, his game planning, his receiving, all of those things. And yesterday, after the Astros won, Carlos Correa was asked in the clubhouse, you know, what, what did you learn from this? What do you take away from from this and listen to his who he thought the secret weapon was for the Houston Astros. I don't want to give credit to Maldonado because you know he'll, he'll bring it up at some point when I talk to him in the offseason. But uh, you know he, he he knows what he's doing behind the plate and he knows you know every hitter's weaknesses and he's going to try to exploit and he pitches to the he pitches against the expected slug and he does all that and we knew it and you know still it was hard to make the adjustments the way he was pitching pitching backwards hitters counts he will go off speed and then. Counts where you throw us we regularly, he'll go fast us up, and you know they did a good job of making some matching. And you know we we just gotta get better, and we gotta have a better plan. And there's a lot of things that could have gone better for us, and they didn't. Uh, that's that's why we're here right now talking about this loss. I love the fact that Correa got left on deck. By the way, I wanted nothing to do with mm-hmm. Carlos Correa in that spot. But here is yet another person that's there, right? You know, Dusty's been telling you this all year long. People don't want to believe it. Uh, the pitchers have told you not that they're knocking Yiner and not that they're saying that they prefer Martin Maldonado. But listen to Justin Verlander talk about how great it is to be back with Martin Maldonado. Listen to Fromber. Yeah, I like working with Maldonado. Listen to Urquidy. Listen to Christian Javier. So like the guys in the Astros clubhouse have been telling you the entire year, and we just don't believe them, that Martin Maldonado is incredibly valuable for this team and this pitching staff. Now you have Carlos Correa, who I understand, friends with Martin Maldonado, former teammate with Martin Maldonado, but was a rival in this ALDS, and he's telling you that the secret weapon wasn't necessarily Verlander. It wasn't necessarily Javier or Keaty. Sure, you couldn't have done it without them. It wasn't the bullpen. But it's the catcher, Martin Maldonado, that is guiding all of those guys that knows the weaknesses of all of these hitters. When are we going to give Martin Maldonado his due? Yeah, no, look, I think right now, but I think that, again, just like anything else, it's fair that both of us have been critical of the fact that he looked kind of lazy behind the plate this year. That, you know, you can blame the the new bases and, and the pitch clock. and a well, lot I think of, it's the pitchers on the... the, the and the pitchers the themselves. The pitchers right? are so yeah, slow. No question. There was a lot to be blamed, but there was a lot of blame to go around. But he got he deserved some of that. I think the intangibles in terms of how he manages the pitching staff, uh, that that whole importance and what he's still able to do was magnified. I mean, look, Correa's been the guy that before has kind of detailed that when he goes back to his room, when he gets on his computer, the video that he breaks down, the extra work he puts in, those are the kind of things that you know a lot of people don't see and don't realize that have a ton to do with the outcomes that the pitchers appreciate that they understand more than most of us that go into it. It sounds like a guy that Correa would love to have on the Twins next year to be able to, but, but all, oh, by the way, they already overpaid for a former Astros catcher that, sit, that sat on the bench the entire series and never sniffed an at-bat. So I don't know if Maldi's going to have other teams like you know Correa and the Twins and teams that would want him 
But there is def- there's no question there is a value to the intangibles he brings to the table because we've talked about it translating to being a coach someday because of how much work he's winning, willing to put in on the scouting side of preparing for any opponent. You, you bring up the point where you know no one like the people outside of the clubhouse can't see and don't realize you know the prep of Martin Maldonado for to, to game plan these hitters, and I also think it's fill in game too. Like you heard a little bit with AJ Persinski, kind of whenever Martin Maldonado motioned to Verlander, like he took a step back. We know that Martin Maldonado's heads up the the. the the World Series last year, wherever he, you know, crowded the plate, was able to draw a walk. Like, there's certain fill in the game, too. I think there's, there's more than just the game planning. Uh, there, You can read a swing. You can read how a guy looks in the batter's box, and I think that's where Martin Maldonado also excels. Uh, that's, like, another thing that he does well with the game planning. But the, the point that you bring up about seeing it and realizing it, we might not see it and realize it, but the Astros have told us this all year and, quite frankly, almost all the time since Martin Maldonado has been here. So you don't see it and you don't realize it, but it's also like ignoring the guys in the clubhouse that are telling you what he does. Well, Ryan Presley was in with John and Lance during the season and said it and, and talked about it. And the fact that Correa would even go so far, I believe, in the interview that he did last year, a year or two ago when he was talking about what Maldonado does that a lot of catchers don't, was that he would call pitchers to his room and just say, "Hey, look, you got to watch this video. This is what I'm talking about here. This is a guy." And, and to, you know, a big thing that you've brought up in the past is, is the sequencing, and it's huge for a pitcher to change his sequencing. If you you know gave a guy a steady diet of breaking pitches the first time you see him in the lineup, and and then go back to those breaking pitches, chances are he's looking for it. He can do some damage with it, and, and you could get in trouble with it. He'll change the sequencing if the breaking pitches. And the steady diet was the first at bat. Maybe he goes to change ups and other things, or and maybe if it's if it's a guy that sits on fastballs, that he he will do other things to make sure that they still can be effective. But the pit, the batter can't sit and and kind of predict what's going to be happening as easily. Those are kind of things that you you definitely have a value that you put on. That means that whether he's your starting catcher next year, whether he's your backup catcher this year, but there is a role on any baseball team in Major League Baseball for a guy that's willing to go that far, put in that much effort, and do that much advanced scouting for any series that you play, particularly in the playoffs when everything is magnified so much. Yeah, I do think that that we should give him a lot of credit, too, for the ability to adjust in-game. In like, it's not all the, the pre-game game planning, too. Mm-hmm. He, he excels in that, but I also think he excels in in the moment, like from at bat to at bat, seeing what a guy looks like in his first at bat versus his third at bat, et cetera, et cetera. I think it's in the moment as well. Uh, eight four three seven. Maldi's intangibles are manageable when he calls a good game, when pitchers are hitting their spots and getting outs. If the pitching staff were to have pitched this way the entire regular season, uh, I would not have complained one bit about him being our starting catcher. I think that's fair because like, people look at the catcher ERA thing and Yiners is comparable to Martin Maldonado, but there you go. you got to give Dusty a little credit here for no Knowing that in the postseason that he he felt that uh, that Maldonado would be the the best option on that front. Uh, one thing like you brought up the uh, the fact of where does he look look like he's going to play next year if he plays next year. I certainly think he's going to play. I think he wants to play. Mm-hmm. I'd bring him back if I'm being completely honest. I would bring him back now. 
it needs to be a work share, and I want Yiner Diaz next season to be my primary catcher. You know, maybe it's a Maldi catcher top two. Yiner catches three of the five. He DHs one of the other games, so he still, you know, he still gets his 500 plate appearance. He still gets his 500 at bats. The Astros need a backup catcher next year. They need a guy that can continue to mentor a young catcher. I wouldn't hate having Martin Maldonado back on another one-year deal next year to be my backup catcher. No, absolutely not, because I think that there he knows there's a future in baseball for him as a after his playing days, too, as a manager. And I think that whether it starts as a coach and then it, it elevates to a manager at some point, he has all the makings of a guy that we know understands the game. He has unbelievable knowledge of the game, but he's still willing to put in the work. Sometimes maybe not so much in the regular season in the dog days behind the dish with all the equipment on, but we know that he gets it and that he's a guy that is a base. He can be a baseball lifer if he chooses to be because of how intelligent he is around the game of baseball. And so I believe totally that if you could get him to be in a role where he's the backup catcher, but he's grooming, he's Yiner on a daily basis and he's teaching him some of the things that he has done and continues to do to scout and, and, and do homework on lineups and being the catcher that has tons of value, not only just for Yiner, but then even for himself and for other players around him and the bullpen and the pitching staff and all the things that he's always been able to do for this staff. We hear Verlander talk about this organization, talk about as much as it's analytically driven, there's so much more to it. This is some of it. This is some of the intangibles. Yes, he's still using analytics. Yes, but it's it's an eye test. It's a feel, and it's an understanding of being able to scout hitters and then also know what his pitchers do well and how, like we talked about, sequence them and get them to the point where you maximize their abilities. Strami used to get a lot of credit for these kind of things too, but Maldi gets should get the same kind of credit as kind of a built-in pitching coach slash game planner with all the stuff that he does. He definitely should have a role on this team as a backup catcher if that's what he wants. If he thinks he can be a starting catcher elsewhere, I'm curious the other teams that don't have as much talent if they're willing to give him that starting job, knowing what they're losing offensively by gaining so much. But the Astros should do everything to try and get him to take that role as kind of a part-time, back-time, back, back, uh, backup catcher. Astros winners in the DS for the seventh year in a row going to the ALCS. Lee Sterling, he's our favorite winner. He's going to hand you winners next. Lee Sterling, Paramount Sports, joins us on ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. Before we go to the break, tell you about my bookie. Another big weekend coming up. We know we're talking about Astros baseball Sunday and Monday. We know we've got NFL football with a full slate, and Lee's going to tip you off on some college and some pro football. Well, if he gives you some tips, you got to go see Lee Sterling. And if you want to have a way, too, where once you get the tips from Lee Sterling that you can better on the games and cash in, go to mybookie.ag because mybookie.ag is the best place to go with your money because it's going to be safe and secure. It's going to be where if you want to get it out, you can get it out. But at the same time, when you start betting on games and you want a place that's been in business for over a decade, that's going to take care of you in so many different ways, you go to mybookie.ag. Use the promo code BET975 because you can cash in almost instantly. What do I mean by that? Well, if you've never been there before, sign up for an account. If you've been there before and you put more money in your account, when you use the promo code BET975 because you listen to us, Almost instantly in your account, if you put $50 or more in, you can get $200 extra in your account for you to bet with. That is awesome. And that means more money in your account, more games you can bet on, and, of course, more chances to win. And with that bonus money, if you bet it one more time, you're free to take it out, do with it as you wish, and they're going to pay it to you because they love taking care of their customers. There's tons of other ways they take care of their customers, too. There are lots of prop bets. There's lots of uh, crazy odds that you can cash in on. But the main thing is your money's safe and secure. 
They give you opportunities to get more in your account. And obviously, when you want to cash out, you're going to be able to cash out and get your money in your back pocket. It's absolutely fantastic. It's all with the sports. If there's a professional sport going on, whether it be golf or UFC or baseball, basketball, football, you name it, they've got it. You can play it at mybookie.ag. Check them out right now. Go to mybookie.ag and use that promo code BET975. It's like I always tell you, bet anything, anytime, anywhere. With the only place I tell you to do it, it's mybookie.ag, promo code BET975.